Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Kayla on from Pedal. And we'll be talking about the business case or use case for why our clients pick metal. So why don't we just jump right into it. Kayla, would you uh, do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Pedal? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Kayla McKell. I'm one of the co-founders and the COO of Pedal. And we are a, uh, a really a bridge between the corporate world and the communities that they struggle to reach the most. And the way we're doing that right now is through a diversity recruiting marketplace that enables our employer partners to leverage some of our kind of secret weapons um, as tools to attract, um, engage, and then ultimately recruit and retain really competitive, diverse talent. Um, So the two kind of secret weapons that we've been leveraging is a uh, a combination of really unique, made for social media, made for Gen Z, employer branding content, um, and then also scholarships. So specifically for the scholarships, you know, every talent manager knows out there that the EOC would come for all of us if any of us put up a, a job posting on a LinkedIn or Indeed um, or a ZipRecruiter and said, we're looking for, let's say, a data analyst. And the only people whose applications I'm I'm accepting are people who identify as uh, black women, for example, right? right? <laughs> so, which we, is exa- which is oddly enough, which is exactly what we would like to do in some cases, right? But exactly. I, I can see where that would be misused and and uh, and also <laughs> historically be misused, but yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So that's why we we kind of took the approach of saying, hey, you know, we know you can't do that, but here's kind of a, a way you can get around that is partnering with Pedal to create a scholarship. Uh, that's branded to your company for that exact kind of candidate you're looking to get in front of. Let's specify a major, let's specify a graduation year, depending on if you're looking for a full-time employee um, or not, right? Let's specify uh, what skill sets you need. And that actually gives us the agency to go out and source a really competitive pipeline of of talent for you. And we can actually, you know, deliver the resumes, deliver you the candidates, unlike any other scholarship program out there. So I love this on so many levels. One one is is again it's from uh, phrases from years ago, talent pools or talent communities, etc. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it's a better way of thinking, especially uh, uh, the the harder to find talent or, or marginalized talent, if you want to say something like that. But it's really? it's it gives people, it gives sourcers and recruiters a way to go kind of uh, fish in different ponds. Um, so yeah. how do, how do they actually how do they interface with how do they interface interface with the marketplace? Yeah, yeah. So we are, you know, we're still a young, scrappy startup. So we've just now migrated onto the actual marketplace itself for our corporate partners. We used to just be as easy as possible for um, our partners in terms of just sending over like a zip file with resumes. And that was the easiest way for them to kind of integrate it into their ATSs because if anybody is in kind of the tech world, y'all know that it is not easy to integrate Workday and Greenhouse and all these other platforms. So um, yeah, I mean, you could you could sign up on pedal.com to speak with one of our representatives to get a better understanding of what your DEI goals are, what kind of um, you know succession planning might be available, what kind of career mobility opportunities are available at your company to see if, you know, not that we're a, a right fit per se, 
Um, but if if what you're doing from a diversity perspective has the right intentions, because we are very selective about, you know, who we work with from that regard, because um, we want to make sure we're not sending our students into a burning fire, right? We want to make sure we're sending them into an environment where they can grow and they feel challenged and, and they feel like they can actually attain, you know, mentorship and championship that's required to be really successful and not just land a job, but really start a meaningful career. Does the community members, do they, um, behind the firewall, I guess, or behind the wall, do they get, do they talk with one another? Is there a way for them to, because I know y'all are selective, um, which is great, by the way, um, but is there a way for them to uh, to communicate with each other or kind of, you know, I'm thinking about Glassdoor, of course, but I'm thinking more even kind of like what the the Muse Fairy God Boss does with for women, where mm-hmm. behind, you know, behind the wall, they actually talk about companies and leaders and and you know hiring managers and all kinds of stuff to where they're kind of the inside scoop. Uh, so I guess the question is, is there is there today or do you see it in the future a way for the community members to uh, to communicate with one another? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're slowly working on a strategy for our you know talent partners specifically on the platform to engage with each other and, and connect horizontally and network horizontally. Um, but right now our students can. So, you know, we have students from, you know, Alabama and Florida connecting just based off of some of the data that we're that we're getting on the platform around what their interests are, what the skill sets are and how they could, um, you know, create businesses themselves and organizations themselves. So there's a lot of networking happening and kind of in a social media regard um, for our students on the site. But we're, we're definitely thinking about how to create this infrastructure for even our um, talent partners to, to start networking. But, you know, no, that's such a that's such a good point that you made because I think that's something that we've been focusing on so much over the last year or so is just really thinking about how you know we're, we're closing this network gap right because everybody likes to say that you know lack of diversity comes down to a lack of pipeline but that's not really the case right it's just the, the lack of access to a certain network um, so so closing that gap and making sure that we're getting people connected to the right people and then connecting them to meaningful careers in a really intentional way at, at this really pivotal point of their lives, um, I think will will really be the difference between, you know, a student coming out of pedal and coming out of another platform and feeling like they really have ownership over, um, you know, being able to enjoy some of these economic freedoms that our parents once did, right, when they graduated college or, or even ben- benefiting from wealth generation. Right. So that's definitely in our plans. Do, uh, I mean, we've talked about early stage talent. Is this a, a do you foresee now or future, there's a marketplace for all levels of talent? Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're just focusing, you know, going deep, not wide on our niche right. of, you know, diverse, you know, Gen Z, early millennials uh, or late stage millennials in that case um, on the platform. But yes, we definitely see this eventually expanding as our community grows. We have over 3.5 million students right now who, you know, span across 1800 universities across the country, you know, not just, you know, primarily white institutions, but also the HBCUs, the, the Hispanic right. institutions, the tribal colleges, um, but also with this kind of keen awareness that, you know, when talent managers try to go after, you know, black candidates, for example, only 90 percent of African-Americans that are enrolled in degree earning programs in this country actually don't attend HBCUs. So how do we right. get more students? But as our students are growing and they're, you know, getting into these careers and, and they're matriculating through um, their careers, we're going to stick with them. We're going to continue having them come back to the platform for new opportunities. And then eventually we'll be able to place them into mid-level management and hopefully some senior roles and executive roles as we grow. 
Dumb question alert. Are you are you leveraging um, fraternities and sororities for some of the, uh, I, I mean, just for some of the talent? Um, I'm thinking specifically about some of the schools, uh, probably not HBCUs, but maybe, but but some of the sororities or, or uh, fraternities that might have might be all uh, African-American. Yeah, absolutely. So we we probably have a representation of a little over 200 minority ser minority serving organizations on our platform right. that include um, the Divine Nine, right, for yeah. example. The, the black frats and sororities. So yeah, we're definitely leveraging what we can, but um, what we found to be really successful for our sourcing process is actually like not going to where everyone else is going. And right, fishing. right. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of partners who said, you know, before working with pedal, all I could do was, was, you know, reach out to that local frat at an HBCU that's closest to one of our offices or going to career service centers. And we said, well, a lot of those guys, they're under-resourced, understaffed, inundated. Yep. And so instead of going to them, why don't we go to the people who are engaging with these students day in and day out and actually can attest to um, kind of their work ethic at this stage of their lives. So we've developed, you know, this huge network of over 10,000 faculty members um, from professors to athletic coaches who actually nominate most of our students onto our platform. So we're getting students, you know, directly with the, with the people who are working with them day in and day out. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that on so many different levels. So I know that you said that y'all kind of qualify people on the front end, qualify companies on the front end, maybe maybe students as well. We'll just yeah. I want to want to make sure I get that right. Um, on the qualifying the companies or making sure that the companies, I guess there's uh, two things. One is that that companies aren't just kind of you know basically saying they're interested in uh dni let's say and uh and maybe it's maybe maybe they truly are uh but maybe they're a little bit later in their journey <laughs> or early in their journey i should say right uh and maybe maybe it doesn't look great so yeah. so how do you how do you kind of like because as a i think you and i've talked about this before but it's like We've talked about DNI for a long time, so it's not like yeah, a new yeah. concept, but it, but it does feel different in the last five years, sure. where there's actually DNI leaders and budget and you know programs, which it's again, it's nice to actually see budget and uh, and uh, and action actually behind some of the words, but it, I still can't I can't I still can't see who's doing it really well and mm -hmm. personally, and I can't tell kind of what the uh, what's hype what's what's hype versus what's yeah. real so how do, how do you first of all what do y'all look for and when you kind of look at a company what do y'all kind of take what's the litmus test that y'all take them through yeah so we've actually created kind of our own rubric and, and it's not necessarily not necessarily to say that you know you have to check every box of right. our rubric to be a partner but there are some kind of key indicators right like you know who's sitting on your board right um, how much representation do you have on your board of people who are not cisgender, heterosexual white men, right? right. Um, how many people are in existing leadership positions? And we have a very keen awareness of the fact that in order for us to truly diversify and make sure that corporate America looks like real America one day, right. um, it's going to be about investing in entry level and then developing and training them up so that they're prepared to be in those executive positions. Because how many people, you know, were like in my dad's position, to have, you know, quite frankly, to say it honestly, come out the hood, 
you know, go to college because his dad, you know, worked as a longshoreman and saved up all his money to make sure he he could go to college. And then from there, be able to navigate and excel through his corporate career, where now he's sitting as, as an executive um, at a comp- at a major, you know, Fortune 1000 company. And he is now trying to get, you know, poached, basically, these other companies oh, yeah. are trying to poach him, right? Because because that that's really where the pipeline issue is, right? For that, that executive level um, and above, because the opportunities just weren't there. Um, or, you know, the, the lack of access wasn't there. The, the uh, initiative behind DEI right. wasn't during right. his era, right? So really, it's going to come down to investing in that entry level. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of looking at where they're at right now. And then also, who are the champions, you know, within the company, right? Especially who are sitting in the talent acquisition seats, you know, are there um, people who are are willing to get really humble and say, hey, here was my experience, right? I, I had one one guy that I was talking to the other day at a company, a uh, major commercial real estate firm. And he said, hey, I know my firm doesn't look the way I would want it to look. Um, but, you, you know, you, you, you'd be surprised that when we hire these recruiters, they look at the company as it is now and assume those are the kinds of residents resumes we want. So that's the people that we keep getting and we're, right. we're hiring out these recruiters. So these are the candidates we're getting, um, but we do have an intention. And this was an experience that I had that made me really reflect on why we needed to be more intentional with our DEI efforts. You know, I'm walking down the street a couple months after, you know, the news of, of George Floyd comes out and uh, I have my dog and I'm walking down Central Park and it's late night. And I realize, you know, at one moment that I'm probably not going to get stopped by a cop for any reason, because uh, I'm a white man. And if even if I do, I got friends I can call. And, and that was kind of his aha moment of, oh my gosh, my lived experience is different than other people. And maybe I need to be cognizant of that when I'm bringing new people into the company. And so I love to hear stories like that from people who are in positions of power, who do come from those homogenous groups, because that, that gives me an inclination that there's an awareness and there's a consciousness around the issue and that there is some intent, right? It really just comes down to where is your heart and how do I unveil the humans behind the brand, which is exactly why we put so much emphasis into content, right? Because DEI comes down to exposure. It comes down to not being able to be excited or energized about what you don't know exists or what you don't know is possible for you. So getting behind those stories um, to people of leadership and showcasing that to our students and making sure that we actually can, you know, get that story out of people, that that's a really good indicator for whether or not we want to work with a company. So one of the things I love, especially on our content strategy, is, is highlighting what you just said, is highlighting differences, highlighting an awareness and highlighting similarities. Yeah. Um, how much how much dialogue do you get right now with both candidates and with recruiters around skills? It seems like you can't you can't walk you know, 30 minutes without hearing somebody talk about skills and skills gap, skills analysis, skills this, skills that, um, oh, or yeah. skills-based hiring. So, um, you know, I just want to, I just want to make sure, cause you know, I, I think most people that would be listening to this will understand, okay, this is, this could be a go-to for my sourcing team, for my recruiting team to actually back up some of the initiatives that come out of uh, the executive team out of DNI. Okay. Well, this sounds perfect. Great. And at one point, you and I both know that they're going to say, this is great. Now I have access to talent that I didn't have access to before. Great. Ah. Are they, are they, do they have the skill path? Like, do they not know? not just, do they have the skills now? This is early stage talent. It's, do they have the skills? Do they have the kind of a potentiality to develop the skills, et cetera? So like, what are you, what are you learning, you know, from both sides? What are you learning about skills? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think something that I've I've noticed that, you know, more and more talent professionals are realizing is, you know, these these outdated, you know, metrics of what makes a good candidate like, you know, GPA or the prestige of the college that you went to are all really um you know, archaic indicators for what makes someone a, a great candidate, right? These are all outdated, often discriminatory bias that shields a lot of people from um, opportunities, right, that were reserved for the few. And, and I could tell you right now that one of my best employees um, did not have any work experience beyond working at a McDonald's, but you know how we found her? We went into a McDonald's one day at uh, when we were at the Forbes 30 Under 30 conference, and this was before we, we actually just got named on the Forbes 30 Under 30 this year, but this is before we got named on there. And uh, we walked into a McDonald's at the time, and she was just so like beautifully like spirited and her, she was just so cheery and she was so welcoming. And we were like, you know, if a girl like this could take advantage of a, of an opportunity that other people would find mundane, other people would just, you know, see it as this is just a, another job to clock in and clock out. And I don't have to, you know, bring my full self to this position because it's not my forever um, job, right? If this girl could do this, I wonder how great she would be with, um, you know, some of our sales opportunities or with some of the social media content that we're creating. And she has now been on our team for about three years, helping us push out content uh, for both our employer partners and for students. And she, you know, she's got equity in the company now. She's gotten a raise two times. And, and those are the things that we look for, right? I think skills-based hiring at the end of the day kind of eliminates the need for pattern matching, right? <laughs> it eliminates right. that bias that someone can be reduced to a piece of paper with accolades and kind of these arbitrary achievements um, that have little application in the real world. So I'm, I'm seeing more talent professionals look at it, but then you also have some others that are, um, that have noticed that, you know, those, those old archaic measures were used to get into their role. So why shouldn't they continue to use that <laughs> metrics to get into these oh, new yeah. kids in, right? Yeah. It worked for me. Why wouldn't it right. work for me? Yeah, no, right. I, I exactly. hear that too. So do you uh, do you find that uh, either on the recruiting side or the candidate side do you do you find some dialogue around compensation? Is there? Is uh, there... Yeah. <laughs> yes. Specifically for Gen Z, um, right. I think there is a lot of leeway for compensation as long as there are value aligned opportunities at the company. I've heard um, that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of, we actually did a, a survey uh, last month with over a thousand students just to see like, you know, how, how are they feeling, you know, coming out of college, going, going into the workforce, especially coming out of COVID and what their opportunities are and, and how they feel the world of DEI is. And um, yeah, one of the things that, that we learned and a trend that we're learning is that um, compensation and benefits, although great, um, come, you know, almost last place to whether or not the company is doing good in the world. And, and that doesn't, it doesn't matter whether or not it's a pencil company or a hedge fund, right? Are they putting out that, that positive externality into the world? And then are they standing behind the words that they're putting out into these press releases? Um, that, that seems to be a, a huge value to our students um, that we're, that we're seeing that are going into the workforce. I could, I could see that, but you know, again, you know, it's, it's one of those things, especially in certain communities. If if you've if you've been overlooked for so long, and then all of a sudden people now show up and they seem to care 
that's great. I mean, first of all, it's better than never. Got it. Absolutely. But I'd also kind of also be a little angry. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I'd have to really think about it, but I'm not sure how I'd really like that. I mean, I'd, unless you're doing, you know, unless you're doing really substantive work and I can see it. And again, you're doing good, but you're going to do it good by the community. You're doing good by uh, following your values, articulating your values, et cetera. Um, Again, probably a dumb question, but it's something that's come up uh, uh, over the last couple of months around Gen Z in particular and uh, their desire to go to the office, hmm. which I don't know how I feel about this. But but basically the way that it's been framed up for me is like, OK, I'm I'm squarely Gen X. Like if someone offered me a job at an office, there's no way I'd take it. <laughs> OK, so that's that's me. I've, I've had a career where I've been to the office and all that other stuff. But uh, a lot of people have kind of put that in a frame of like, hey, man, remember when you got out of college, you wanted to go meet people. You wanted to yeah. be around people. You wanted to go to the ball games. You want to go to this, that, the other. And I'm like, right. yeah, I'm not sure. That's... <laughs> I'm not sure I buy that, but you're on the front line. So what, what do you <laughs> yeah. say? Yeah, yeah. Our students, that was also another part of our, our survey. Um, and our students are saying that they – the one thing that they really value when it comes to that is kind of a, a, a balance, right? A flexibility. Right. So do they have the option to work from home on those days that they don't, they don't feel like getting out of bed and they'd rather just right. work on the computer and be off camera for, for meetings? Um, but do they also have the opportunity to connect with their managers, connect with leadership, network horizontally? Um, so, so we are seeing that there is this need for this innate human connection, this face-to-face -face connection, but opportunities for, um, you know, for, for online work because right. of the flexibility that it allows them, right? I think that, most Zers know that like the laptop lifestyle is kind of BS, right? Like who's really taking their laptop to the beach? Like no one does right, that, right? right, right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about the flexibility and is it an option? That gels, that gels with what my, my niece is uh, of in that generation. And, and she's work, well, she works for Deloitte. She works three days in the office and she can pick the three days and she's in, right. she's in Brooklyn. And so like, literally it depends on that week. Does she want to work exactly. this, that, and the other, but she loves it because it gives her a little bit of social interaction and it gives her massive flexibility to get the job done, which is the most important. Um, exactly. Okay. Thank you for answering that. Uh, two, two last things. One is, is when people are buying pedal, maybe for the first time, obviously, or their yeah. prospects, what are the questions? What, what should they be asking you in order <laughs> to buy? Like what's what, what, what they've never bought this before. They don't know what it is. Uh, they saw the demo. Great. They're, they're in love with it, but now uh, what should they be asking you? Yeah. Yeah. So I would ask me, you know, why do you use scholarships? That's for mm -hmm. one. I'll answer these questions briefly. Um, but why do you use scholarships would be one. The reason we use it in simple is because scholarships historically are discriminatory. Yep. <laughs> and that's not to say all discrimination is bad, right? I got into Rutgers University and was a hair away from a full academic ride. So I filled in the gaps with these obscure scholarship opportunities that were solely made for Black girls who play golf in the Northeast, right? Mm -hmm. You have scholarships for Italian boys who cook or left-handed right. boys. <laughs> you name it, there's a scholarship for it. All we did was leverage what we knew to help employers stop making the excuse as to Right. find diverse talent right um i would also ask me you know how important is the content i would say extremely um i've had clients who come to me and and 
decide to opt out of the content and those who who decided to um, take advantage of it in full force and get their ERG members involved and get leadership involved. And I see a stark difference in numbers of applications that are coming from, you know, the candidates that they want based on how much emphasis they're putting on the content that we're creating. And I think that really just comes down to Gen Z having this keen awareness that, um, you know, social media levels the playing field, right? Now, anyone with an internet connection can prepare for opportunities and be just as qualified for these roles as their counterpart, you know, who got into Harvard. And, and if they're able to kind of look at the company from the lens of who are the humans behind the brand, because we know that, you know, all of the people that make these machines run are so much bigger than the logos that they represent. So how do we get to that story? How do we show what progression looks like in career for these individuals? How do we show what the experience is like for people of color or women or whatever the case may be, as is right now in that industry, in that organization? What is it like from their words, right? Why do you care about diversity post-George Floyd? Why did you not talk about this, you know, pre-2020? Why did you not give this a real budget pre-2020? Those are the kinds of things that that students want to hear and I think allows them to give companies a little bit of grace, right? And yeah. not be so pissed off, like you said. Right. And it's also the transparency, but the brutal honesty. If someone, you know, maybe they maybe, maybe that will come up. Maybe me too, love is love, uh, Black Lives Matter, and then obviously George Floyd, maybe that just all the culmination of things kind of like shook them to their core. And it's like Absolutely. Hey, that, that's okay. I mean, is it perfect? No, there's four hundred years that we could have kind of <laughs> been ahead of this have <laughs> been ahead right. of this curve. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. We're here now. Right. But 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 uh I would be, uh, you know, I'd have to really think about it, but I would, I'd be, I'd rather them tell that story and tell the truth and be transparent by like, Hey, listen, you know, it's just, we were just basically building widgets and not really thinking much about it. And, exactly. you know, all that and the pandemic, you know, made us actually reflect on like, we got to, we need to do business differently. I, again, not perfect, but, uh, but I'd, I would love to hear that answer. As a, as a candidate, I'd love to hear that answer, or at least that transparency. Absolutely. All right, your last question is your most recent or your favorite customer story without naming names, without you know mm-hmm. naming a brand or company or things like that. Yes, my favorite story. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to name the, the student's name because Sierra, I love her. So she came to our platform for a, uh, a scholarship at a major tech company that if you think of the top two, it's probably one of them. And uh, we said, you know, Sierra, based on your data and, you know, what, what we're able to, to kind of deduce about you and your personality and your skill sets, I actually think you would be perfect for this opportunity over here at this this commercial real estate firm that you've never heard of, multi-billion dollar firm that has no name brand recognition. Um, and, and when she actually went through that internship program, she said that it was the first time that she had felt seen and validated. Oh, cool. And that shook me to my core. Yeah. I think that is just a testament to the kind of intention that we put behind uh, the matches that we're making and the fact that we're not just trying to land these kids in jobs. We want to make sure that they're starting off meaningful careers um, so yeah, that, that's just kind of one of my, my favorite experiences is somebody. Oh, I just have shivers. That's, that's, that's fantastic. If every company could do that, that is um, absolutely amazing. Isn't Kayla, that- this is, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, and I love what you've built. 
Thank you so much, Will, for having me and, and helping us share our story. I, it's all it's all about just making sure that we are, are bringing people up as we climb, right? So I appreciate you for amplifying what we do. Thank you. 100%. Thanks, everyone, listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.